the thing I want to talk to you about this morning, and I'm going to try and stay as on task and on point and, and as timely as I can, but there are no promises given today. If anybody needs to leave, it's me, and I'm still going to stay however long the Holy Ghost wants. So everybody uh, in agreement with that, say amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning for just a, a few hours on the, the subject of, but I fell. But I fell. You don't understand. I fell. How many of y'all, amen, the irony is just so thick right now. Amen. I'm preaching to Brother Tommy. Where's your wife? Because she needs this word too. <laughs> I need to call it, but I face planted. <laughs> oh, there she is. She heard me talking about her. Now she's sneaking around the corner. It's, amen. I don't know what that is. It's the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you for just a, a, a few, few, you know, few, whatever that is, of time about, but I fell. Because so often we get caught up in what we don't do. And so often we as the believers and we as the church, we get caught up in the things that we fail at and not the things that we triumph over. And we don't, get, we, we don't celebrate enough the victories that God's brought us through, but we, but we seem to dwell on the fact that we fall and when we falter and what we're not able to do. And, have, and most of the time I'm telling you that the reason you aren't doing more for God is not because of your inability. It's not because of your lack of talent. It's not because of, of your lack of desire to work for the Lord. It's not because of any of those things. It's simply because that fear is the opposite of faith and you have more fear in your life than you have faith in your life. Eli, I'm going to have you take the, uh, the effects out of the yellow mic and I'm going to switch to that because I think that noise is coming from this microphone here. So I'm going to switch to this one and there's still effects in it, son. So it's the second green knob up. But we have... We, we, get, we get so caught up in, in all the blame of what we have gone through in the past. Amen. Has anybody ever blamed yourself for something that happened in your life? And therefore you couldn't even get any, you couldn't go any farther. You couldn't do any more than what you had already done because you were so caught up in the thing that you failed at. For all of, it's, it's different for all of us, but many times, uh, just for a short example today, I want to use just ministry. There are times when you, you, you set out to do a ministry, and all of a sudden you, you, you try to get involved in it, uh, but you fail. You just, you, you fail, but you fail. And, you know, and, and, and Sister Deidre, you know, you just fail. I didn't realize the irony in all the, in all the words today. But you know what? We might not even say it publicly, but many of us have this mentality of once bitten, twice shot. You all know what I'm talking about? It's like I've already been down that road and, it di and I didn't succeed, so I don't want to do it anymore. I, I've already tried that. I can tell you right now. I, I can give you an. I can use myself as an example. There is one thing in life that I know I am not called to do, and I really, and I really, really, really believe this. So it's going to take an act of God, and I mean like a two fleeces and and all kinds of dew and the audible voice of the Lord and thunder and lightning and and you know and then a still small voice and then after that a kick in the rear end and I mean I'm going to really need some. But the thing I know I'm not called to is I know. I'm not called to be I'm not called to be 
a, a, a camp counselor for children. That was as close to persecution as I, I mean, I felt like they could have just tied me up to the post and just started with the cat of nine tails that week. It was, it was horrible. It was the worst week of my life, and it didn't end after camp. It continued on. It was bad all the way through. I mean, it involved the police and everything. It was just a bad deal. But there's one of us who hasn't been arrested. I'm, so that was me. I, but, but it was a bad week. It was a bad week, and I know that I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm telling you, I'm once bitten, I'm twice shy. I'm not going that, that route anymore. Okay? And so, but what happens is we find ourselves into a place of, of condemnation through those times where we are so worried about what we didn't succeed at before that we can't move forward and do the things that God is calling us to do. Oftentimes, God will allow you to go through something that you fail at, and then He'll call you to go right back into that thing. And many of us are like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. You've seen what happened last time, God. And so we, we don't want to do it again. We've said, I'm never going to do that again. I, I, I'm reminded of how many pastors leave the ministry because people hurt them. They must not had a good church like I do Um, but people hurt them and they say I'm never doing that again I know pastors who are in the pulpit who leave the pulpit one day never to return to church again not even they're not going to be in pulpit ministry they're going to not even be in church anymore because they've been hurt so much uh, by what's happened in the church building and and uh, you know and we've all been hurt so many times going down what we feel like is God's path for us and doing what we're supposed to be doing and and then we fall down and then we, we don't want to get back up and we definitely don't want to try that again. We learn from our mistakes. And then we, we I, I, I told the youth this Wednesday, I was preaching to them. I don't know how much of it went in and what, how much of it was thrown out, but we just pray over the word anyway. Um, but I told them, I said, when you start lo- allowing discouragement to come in, the first thing the enemy does is he discourages you. The second thing, and, and I was talking about how the enemy starts dissing you. Anybody familiar with the language of dissing, you know, like putting you down, dissing you. And I said, listen, this is what the enemy disses. He disses your courage. And so he gets you discouraged. Amen. And then he did. And then all of a sudden he disses your respect for yourself. And so then you're disrespectful to yourself and everybody else. And then the last thing that he does is disses your trust. And so you walk around with all this distrust for one another. And you can't trust anybody anymore. But the reason that that happens is because I fell. Because for whatever reason, I fell. Many of us, uh, many of us don't even say it publicly, but privately, fear has a hold on us especially in certain specific areas. You know, and, and, and I find it kind of, kind of crazy, kind of ludicrous, actually, that people will use this scripture, this passage of scripture, as a tool for condemnation. What are you saying, Brother Paul? Well, we read this scripture. This is actually one of the most quoted scriptures in this passage, that Jesus, when he picked up Peter by the hand, how many of y'all can quote it? What did Jesus say to Peter? to Peter oh ye of little faith how many times have we walked around to one another and 
Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. That's probably one of the most quoted passages of Jesus writing in red that any of church members ever quote. They couldn't quote to you most of the scripture, but almost everybody can walk around and say, Oh, ye of little faith. Have you noticed the negative connotation behind those words? I have it. I, I think it's really quite ludicrous, actually, in my mind that we as the church would walk around and tell each other who are supposed to be our brethren, who we're supposed to be lifting up in the most holy faith and who we're supposed to be building up we walk around and we say oh ye of little faith oh ye of little faith how do we expect our faith to grow if all we're saying is oh ye of little faith and we quote Jesus as if Jesus well since Jesus said it I could say it I I, I have it in my mind this morning and I'm, I'm, I, I can guarantee you this just based on what I know of God that he did not mean something negative toward the man Peter when he said oh ye of little faith he was not putting down Peter, he was putting down the lack of faith that was there. He was rebuking fear. He was rebuking fear. And yet we use that, we use that word to, to throw it around and literally condemn one another. How many times? I've been guilty of it myself, watching people go through something, and we're saying, where's your faith at? Where's your faith at? There are doctrines out there in the world today that would, would lead you to believe if you're not healed, it's because your faith is wrong. If you're not healed, it's because there's sin in your life. If you're not healed, it's because you just didn't believe enough. Oh, ye of little faith. I know, I know many men and women who go to, they, they go to meet their maker on their, on their deathbed and they were believing God for a healing. And I don't know who you are and what you think you know, but I know that their faith was strong. And I know they had the measure of faith that it would take for a healing, but God still saw fit to take them on to be with glory. Who am I and who are you to tell them that they were of little faith? Amen? But yet we walk around we say, oh, ye of little faith. We quote Jesus here and we think it's okay to put one another down by saying that our faith is small. When Jesus wasn't putting down Peter, he was rebuking the lack of faith. He was rebuking the fear. When he looked at Peter and he said just before, uh, I, I'm sorry, maybe just after this in the scripture, he looked at him and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't believe he was putting down Peter. I don't think that he was going, calling Peter Satan. I tried that to my wife one time and I found out that you, there's no good way to say that. I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can, I don't think that he was putting down Peter. He was just recognizing a lack of faith. Amen? He was recognizing fear and he was rebuking that fear. You see, God, I need you to understand something this morning. God is never let down by you as a person. You need to write it down. God is never let down by you as a person. Why? Because he made you. Fearfully and wonderfully, He made you, He formed you in the innermost parts, the Bible says. He made you to be exactly who you are, and He's never been let down by you as a person. I don't know how many times I've, I've stood before God and said, God, I've failed you. How many times I've repented to God and said, God, I just wasn't able, I just couldn't do it. Do you, know the, do you know how crazy that is? Because God knows how He made you. 
He sits impossible things before you, knowing that they are beyond your ability, knowing that they're beyond your talent, knowing that they're beyond your scope of of knowledge, knowing that they're beyond your wisdom. And he says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. But you see, we we think that we fail God, and when we fall, we've failed God, and that God is somehow uh, let down by us, or let down with us, and that He's uh, up there and just saying, shaking His head. I, I have it in my mind that many of us see God just shaking His head at us sometimes, saying, why, 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 why are they? God is never doing that. God is never a disappointed father in us. He looks upon us, and if He's going to rebuke anything in us, He's going to rebuke the fear that keeps us from faith. Amen? God only sees two things when He looks at you. I need you to understand that God does not see your emotions. Now, God can see. I need you to just hear me hear me right this morning. God can see all things. But when God looks upon you and looks upon your inner man, He does not see your emotions. He does not see your personality. He doesn't see your character. He doesn't see your strength. He doesn't see your weaknesses. He sees one of two things. He sees fear or He sees faith. When He looks upon you, He sees fear or He sees faith. Matter of fact, the scripture that I read says this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so if we're going to please God, then we have to do it through the realm of faith. Amen? And so it's our faith that allows us to be able to please God. And therefore, if there's anything ever going to displease God, it would mean that that would be fear. Opposite of faith, disbelief, unbelief. These are the things that that don't please God. But He's never looking down at you as a person. I need you to understand this morning, there are people who feel like they've let God down and He is never looking down at you, shaking His head saying, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did it. Why would you, why, why didn't you just be able to go farther than you, your body was able? Why couldn't you just uh, be smarter than you were? Why couldn't you just be wiser than you were? Uh, God is never looking at you because he recognizes how he built you and he recognizes that you are either operating in fear or you're operating in faith. You see, God is not, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But the scripture does not say without talents, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say without personality, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say without character, it's impossible to please God. Without strength, it's impossible to please God. Without weakness, it's impossible to please God. Without knowledge or wisdom, it's impossible to please God. Without money or possessions, there's no way we could please God. Without love or hope, it's impossible. None of those are in the scripture. The one thing it says is that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We get caught up in all the things that we don't have. We get caught up in all the things that we fail or fall in when the reality is He's only looking for whether or not you have faith. He's only looking at your faith. And I need you to understand something. That Peter may have fallen, but he had the faith to get out of the boat. He had the faith to walk on the water. You see, he wasn't. it wasn't all about the condemnation of him falling in the water, God was impressed by the faith of him getting out of the boat in the first place. Amen? We fail to see God sometimes uh, in, in, in the good of God and what we're doing, and we fail to see what God has worked in us through those failures. But many of us look around and we say, 
but I fell. But you don't understand, Paul. I fell. I failed. But I messed up. Aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you? I'm so thankful. I'm telling you that there would be no way I'd be standing up here if it, if it meant that I, if I fell, I, I was, uh, didn't have access. If I fell, I was inequipped or ill-equipped now. There's no way that I'd be standing behind a pulpit today had it not been for the grace of God that allowed me to fall, allowed me to fall and allowed me to get up. But you see, I need you to understand something too this morning that even though you fell, you keep saying, but I fall. But I fell, but I fell. And I keep hearing that. I heard that in my, in my spirit this week as, I was, as God was giving me this message early in the week. And I said, God, what are you doing? Are you going to change my mind on Saturday or, or what's happening? But he gave me this message really early in the week, which is rare. And, and I began to hear. I, I just, it's as if I could hear everyone in the room's voice that was talking to me. And it was as if we were in a dialogue. And I could hear every, every person. Brother Dave, I could hear your voice. Sister Wanda, I could hear your voice. I could hear your voice voices just begin to talk to me and say but you don't understand Paul I fell you don't understand why am I not doing more for God than I'm doing because well, you don't understand though I fell you don't understand what 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 happened to me you don't understand the the, the choices that I made and and I, I I even I even thought about you know those big I'm not I'm trying not to mention any names but those preachers who were once up here uh, but they fell and all of a sudden you know all the stones begin to go throw in their way um, but I'm still thankful for grace because they even in their mind I'm sure today are still saying but I fell I, I could have done this I could have done that I could have done this but I fell and I keep hearing it in my spirit but you don't understand Paul and, I, and I'm, I, I believe that for the church to move forward in the realm that God is trying to get us to go then we have to get past this but I fell mentality and I need you to understand that, uh, that part of the reason that you fell may not be your fault in the first place I'm not trying to take all the fault away from you some of it may have been your own fault but I need you to recognize the reasons that you might have fallen this morning number first reason that you might have fallen is the place where you were walking was unstable the place where you were walking was unstable. Many of us get, we get caught up and we start walking in the Lord and we start doing things for God. And I'm telling you, if God calls you to go into a place, then you go there. But if He doesn't call you there, you have no business walking there. And don't be surprised when you fall, when you walk into that area. If you're gonna, if you're gonna walk a tightrope, you better hope that God has called you to walk the tightrope. You better hope that your faith has brought you to that place. Because if you're walking the tightrope on your own accord, when you fall, don't wonder why you fell in the first place. What am I? Let me let me break it down for you. Uh, if you are a recovering alcoholic, or if you are not a recovering alcoholic, but you know that God doesn't want you to drink that alcohol, don't be hanging around in the bars. Don't be going on into the parties. Don't be hanging out with the folks who casually drink. Don't be hanging out with those who have even a glass of wine. Why? Because uh, don't wonder why if you walk on unstable ground, why you fall. Uh, it, it never it never will fail if you give the enemy an inch he will take a mile so the first reason you fell is the place where you were walking was not stable there's 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 something powerful about finding yourself in a stable uh, a stable church community i i believe that there are many many churches in this area that are full uh, to capacity probably this morning that are unstable 
Why? Because there's double-mindedness in their doctrine. And the Bible tells me that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Amen? And so we, we have to make sure that we find ourselves among peers that are completely stable and that the ground we're walking on and the faith road that we are walking is a, is a, is a road that is, is stable and secure. It's a firm foundation. Amen? Number two reason, and I'm hustling through this morning, is that you were wearing the wrong shoes. Anybody ever seen a baby put on a big people pair of shoes? It's cute, right? They tumble within a step or two. You know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Let's try it. Is there a baby we can get to fall down? Sick humor. You know, everybody's happy when the baby tumbles over. Look at it in the shoes. Ah, oh, he hit his face. <laughs> Sorry, guys. These are the things that make me laugh. Um... But, but you know, we, we, the, the, the problem with many of us and the reason that we fall is because we got the wrong shoes on, Brother John. Is that your name? That was strange. It's the first time I've called him that. Right, Brother Tim? Amen. Amen. But if, you, if I got this shoe, you see my guitar sock? If I got this shoe that's a size 11... And and, you, and and Sister Deidre's trying to wear this thing around. She's, yeah, we already know. She wears a bracelet at all times, says fall risk. <laughs> On a good day. You give her this clodhopper, she's going to fall down. So the problem is, the same thing happens in the spiritual w- world and in our ministry, and in our life, and in our jobs, and in our relationships, is that we try to, be, we try to wear the wrong shoe. Well, the reason we fall down is because we're wearing the wrong shoe. We're wearing the wrong size of shoe. We're not big enough to be in those shoes just yet, but we jump out in faith, we, or, or we jump out on our own ideas, and we get up in, we get up in some shoes that we weren't quite ready for, and then all of a sudden the, the wind and the waves begin to come or you know, or the, the ground gets unstable and here we are trying to flop around in our big shoes and we fall down. Other times we're wearing the wrong shoes for the time that we're supposed to be in. And I'm, I'm, I'm hustling through this. I could break it down a lot more, but I think you all understand this morning. But, but other times we're wearing, uh, I'm wearing the dress shoes when I ought to be wearing the, the hunting boots because I'm getting ready to walk through some mucky, ugly stuff and I'm, I'm trying to go through it with, you know, with leather on and I really need to be wearing some knee-high, you know, muck boots that I can walk through that, uh, that mess with because uh, otherwise I'm about to fall down. I'm about to tra- traverse some tr- terrain that was hard to say. I'm about to traverse some terrain that is that that you can't just wear um, some sandals or flip flops in. You're gonna. I'm gonna need some cross training shoes to go through this. And yet we put on the wrong shoes. Let, let me break it down real quickly, and then I and then I'll move on from this one. What happens is we we think we heard God, or we 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 wanted to hear God enough that we imagined something, and then all of a sudden we put on shoes of a ministry or a job or a relationship that we were never called to in the first place, and then we fall down because we're wearing shoes that we ought to not ever worn. 
Amen? I'm moving on. You got it. Listen, third, third reason we fall is nobody was holding on to you. Nobody was holding on. We talked about alignment several weeks ago. And when you've got alignment vertically and you've got alignment horizontally, you've always got someone to catch you when you fall backward, catch you when you stumble forward, someone to hold your hand to the right or the left if you get pushed aside one way or another. But many times the reason that we fall is because we got out on our own and we didn't want anybody's help. And, and Jesus said how, how, how wonderful, how beautiful, how lovely it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. He said that for a reason, because there's strength. He said, he said uh, one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight. He said a threefold cord is not easily broken. There's power in us joining hand in hand and going forward in ministry. But oftentimes when you fall, it's because you find yourself alone with no one holding on to you. Moving on for the sake of time. The fourth reason that you fall is you stopped holding on to faith. Or you stopped holding on to Jesus. And I put you stopped holding on to Jesus and I thought, well, that might be a little strong. So I put faith in the parentheses there. But the reality is we get out there and we've got to, we, we may have the right shoes on. We may have been called to be there. Uh, we, we may be on unstable ground, but God called us there. Uh, we, may, we may be uh, being held up by our peers and everything else. But we get out there and we, things begin to go good. And all of a sudden, uh, we begin to leave God behind. And we think, well, we got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then you leave God behind and then next thing you know all of a sudden no matter how good your support group is if God's not the chief cornerstone that your firm foundation is planted on you begin to fall amen and I'm moving on for the sake of time last th- the last reason that you may have fallen is because your vision got skewed I told you we would come back to the wind here in just a few moments your vision your focus got skewed your focus got off why did you fall down? How many have, have you ever anybody ever walked looking down at the ground? Sometimes you don't know where you end up. I walk into the woods, brother Dave, brother brother Tim, Bonstead, just in case you didn't know who I was talking to. I walk into the woods to go hunting and if it's dark out, I don't hunt with a flashlight when I go in in the morning. Because if I hunt with a flashlight, I tend to look down and I don't look at my surroundings. And then I've walked myself in a clean circle before. And, and I mean, I was going through some series of ponds. And the next thing you know, I look around and I'm like, these are the same ponds that I done walked through. And I didn't know what direction I needed to walk to get where I was going or to the truck at that point. Because I had walked a clean circle, an absolute 360. And I don't know how you do that when you're just trying to go straight. But people just tend to lean one way or another. So we get, you know, we walk with our head down. So I don't do that. When I hunt, I go in when it's dark. It's just dark. I don't need a light. I just go in under the moonlight or whatever. And I walk the direction and I can watch the horizon and know where I'm going. Amen. But sometimes we walk, we walk and we're so worried about the, the, the terrain that we're on that we walk, we're looking down. 
But the truth is, if we're going to get to our destination, then we've got to have our focus on our destination. And our, de- our destination is God. Our destination is Jesus. And we can't be focused on the ground around us or, or off to the left or off to the right. Sometimes we get caught up in the scenery and we lose focus of the vision. Amen. We lose focus of, the, uh, of God who's in the front and He's given us a vision for a ministry or a vision for our job or a vision for our relationship and we take off walking but before you know it we get our focus off of God and we get our focus off the vision and then we fall down sometimes you know I, in this in this narrative uh, I told you we would come back to this wind thing the Bible says the wind in verse number 24 the wind was contrary you know that stinking old contrary wind and then in verse number 30 the Bible says that Peter, when he saw the wind boisterous, so the wind was boisterous, and then finally at the end, verse number 32, we see that the wind ceased. And you know, Brother Dave, I got to thinking about that, and I didn't look this scripture up, but I know it's in there. Um, but the scripture says, uh, and, and for some reason it eludes me, I think it, was, I think it was Jesus that even said this, but I may be wrong, so don't be done in me. It's not in my mind this morning. But he said, we don't see the wind, neither where it blows, where it goes, but it, but it blows nonetheless. Amen? And I got to thinking about that, and I should have looked it up so I could quote it better. But I got to thinking about that. Jesus said, we don't see the wind. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes to. But yet we know that it blows. We, we trust that it blows. But in this scripture, we see three references to the wind, and the, the wind has become manifest. The wind has become something that your focus can get on. And there was something, there was a, a little something contrary about that, that began to that I just began to ponder in my spirit. And I and I began to and I'm gonna read it for, from my notes so I don't get it wrong. You see, something that is normally not even visible to us. Until it's blowing so hard that it's manifesting in the natural world around us. You see, the wind is something we don't even normally notice, nor can we even visualize. But when it begins to blow so hard, then it becomes to manifest around us. You see, a tornado would be invisible if it weren't for the debris that it picks up. A tornado is nothing more than swirling winds. But if it weren't for the debris... As the debris it picks up, it becomes manifest in the natural world around us. We couldn't even see it if it wasn't for that. If everything, and this is good, you need to write this down. If everything in its path was immovable, it wouldn't even be able to catch our focus at all. If everything in the path of a tornado was immovable, it wouldn't catch our focus. We wouldn't even see it. It may be a furious wind. It may be a boisterous wind, but we would never see it. So we've got to become immovable. That's the firm foundation message. Likewise, some of our problems are nearly invisible until we begin to focus on them, and then they get large enough to manifest in the natural world around us. We must focus on God and the vision He has given us alone, not facing the right or the left. And I was reminded of the Scripture... A thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. 
it will not come nigh unto me. The wind and the waves were blowing, and Peter got his eyes on the winds. And, and he, it, the Bible doesn't say that he got his eyes on the waves. The Bible didn't say that he... he re- do, you, do you understand that Peter was walking on water, an element. Water's an element. It's not able to be walked on, right? Unless you freeze it. And, but he was walking on water, and this is the miracle. He wasn't walking on the wind. But yet the wind is what he began to recognize. And the wind was nothing more than a distraction from the real miracle that was taking place. The wind was simply just trying to distract him. It didn't say that he recognized the waves were crashing in. Now, if the wind was blowing, no doubt there was waves, but he didn't seem to worry about the waves, Brother Dave. He noticed the wind that was boisterous. This thing that was normally going to be invisible to you, if it was just breezing along, you wouldn't even think or pay any attention to the wind. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Scripture says that we don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but we know it's there. Uh, we don't even pay it any mind. But all of a sudden, his vision got caught up in something that would normally be invisible, and it distracted him from a miracle that was taking place in his life. Amen. And so we've got to keep our focus on God because he's, he, as I said, a thousand may fall at our, at our side, 10,000 at our right hand. They may be paying attention to the wind. They may be ta- paying attention to the waves. They may be falling, but we don't have to fall if we keep our focus right. Amen. And I want to close with this this morning. You keep saying, and I keep still hearing it in my spirit, but I fell, but I fell. But I fell. You don't understand, Paul, but I fell. And I imagine a baby, if you will, that's two or th- two years old. I don't know how b- old babies are when they start to walk, two years old. And so the baby's two years old, and, he, and, and the baby's getting ready to take their first steps, and here you are, you're on your knees, and you're, you know, here come to me. And, and you know, we don't, we don't walk 30 yards away from the baby and say, come on, baby. You know, come on, walk over here. You know, we just want one step out of them, right? We just say, we just say, come on, just, just take one. And we're leaning in. We, we almost give them just that one inch. All they got to do is just let go of that and grab me. And they could just pretty much fall into me. And we're like, woo, first steps. Yeah, you did it. You know, it, it's like, it's like you keep saying, but I fell, but I fell, but I fell. But I need you to understand you may have fallen, but you walked. You may have fallen, but you walked. If you were riding a bike, and, and I, I remember teaching the kids how to ride, and I'm still working on Abby. You can ask her about it. Um, but I taught her how to ride a bike. And, 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 you know, as you were going, you might be, you know, you get them up to speed, Brother Dave. You're, you're hustling along with them, and it's a, it's a very taxing thing on Dad, you know, because you're, you're running alongside the bike, and then you let it go, and for about eight yards, they get, they're moving, and then the wobble starts to take place, and then over the bike goes and then they're saying but I fell but you're saying but honey you rode you rode the bike for a while you don't understand you rode for a while and then before you know it the confidence gets up and before you know it, you can jump on that thing and just kind of take off riding I remember when Eli was learning how to ice skate and he would he would get up there and he would you know he wanted to just be able to do all this different stuff but he would go and you're you're holding her hand or uh, you're holding your child's hand and you go and you go to the skating rink I remember learning how to skate myself and it's like but I fell but I fell and many people's fear grips them because they fell and you may be holding on to the wall but the reality is that you were skating 
You were out there and you were skating. Do you see what I'm saying this morning? Here's the thing. Uh, Peter may have gotten out on the water and started looking at the wind and got distracted. But the reality is he was walking on the water. And I'm telling you this morning, many of you are worried about what you did in your past. And you're worried about how you fell before. But I'm telling you, until you fell, you were living in the supernatural. You were living in the miracle that God has called you to be into. So we need to not focus on the fact that you fell we need to focus on the fact that you were walking in the supernatural you were walking in the divine appointment of God for your life you may have fallen but I'm telling you the miracle is not in the fall the miracle is in the faith hallelujah you may have fallen but for a while you were living in the mirror in the in the season of the miracle don't you think it's time to attempt the supernatural again that's the question don't you think it's time to, super, to attempt the supernatural again? Fear freezes you. Fear freezes you in place. But faith forces you into your destiny. Everyone talks about Peter's lack of faith from the security of the boat. Everybody on the shore looks over at the guy walking on the water and says, Look at him fall, look at him fall, look at him fall. From the security of dry land from the security of the boat it's easy it's easy but Peter was the only one with enough faith to get out of the boat that day Peter was the only one who tried walking on the water the place God is calling you to is probably some place that only you can go it's only ground that you can traverse. It's only water that you can walk on. Nobody else will be able to go there with you. Nobody else will be. Matter of fact, they'll probably be naysaying from the boat about what God is calling you to do. Oh, they're not equipped for that. Oh, they can't do it. Remember when they fell the last time. Remember all the misfortune that they had. Remember, oh, look at their inability. Look at, look at their lack of talent. They can't do that. Oh, they ain't even smart enough to do that. The place that God is calling you to go, everybody's probably going to be on the shore line or in the boat looking at you and saying oh I remember when they fell but God is saying that I'm calling you to a place that is of miraculous and I'm telling you that it's not about whether or not you start to sink into the water it's about the willingness to get out of the boat you see, if, if faith was easy, everybody would have it. Everybody would be doing it, Brother Dave. But the, most people only talk about the faith from the, from the safety of the boat. So the question is this, and this I'm closing this morning, is come on. Walk on the water again. Walk on the water again. Do it again. I don't care if you've fallen 25 times. Get back up because the truth is you walked for a while. Walk on the water again. Even if it's only for a few steps. Even if you've only walked. Can you think about the fact, Brother, Brother Jim, can you imagine if you for one step were able to walk on water? One step. One step out there. If I was able to just jump up in the air, how many of y'all would think it was a, a, just a crack? I mean, you'd run out because I'd be practicing witchcraft probably. But if I were to jump up in the air and levitate for about one second, everybody would be like, we're leaving. It'd be amazing. It'd be, it'd be miraculous, wouldn't it? But, but I could say, oh, I only did it for a second. I only was able to do it for us. I only was able to walk on the water for a couple steps. 
I was only able to minister to a couple hundred people, Sister Mindy. I was only able to go out into the, into the highways and the hedges, and I could only reach one. I'm telling you, don't forsake the one. God is telling you to walk out onto the water and minister to one, and then minister to two. And if you fall somewhere along the way, He's faithful to pick you back up. But it's fear that's keeping you from walking out on the water. This morning, all I'm saying to you is this. Come on, let's walk on the water again. Let's give it a go. Let's walk on the water again. There are many of us here today that we've done big things for God, but we fell. We may not have fallen like some TV preachers. We may not have fallen into this deep sin. We may not have fallen in a sense that we did anything wrong, but people attacked us and have caused us to, to stumble and fall. But the truth is, fear is what the enemy is trying to put in the place of your faith. And in order for our church to get where God wants it to go, we're going to have to start operating in the faith to get out on the water again. Sister Ely, my spiritual mama, she said of Sister Deidre when she was playing piano one time, and I've heard her say it several times, it was before Sister Deidre had the ability to play like she does today. She got up there and she said, I want you to come up and I want you to play this certain song. And Sister Deidre just lost it. She didn't know the chords, you know, to what she was doing. And she started to panic. And Sister Ely said this. She said, church, church, just pray with her. She's walking on the water. She's just walking on the water. You see what? We don't have to beat each other up and say, oh, ye of little faith. If you'd have just had more faith, Sister Deidre, you could have played those chords and known and, and just done everything right. But she said, no, you need to pray with her, church. She's just walking on the water. And it didn't quench the spirit that night because she couldn't play those right chords. It just allowed the spirit to begin to flow because we recognized that she was getting out of the boat. If you may Listen, you may fall flat on your face. You're, you may have just a millisecond on top of that water. But I'm telling you, you'll never know until you attempt the supernatural. We'll never know if by the laying on of hands we can see the dead raised until we lay hands on them. Amen? We'll never know if we can cure the brokenhearted until we grab them by the hand and begin to pray with them. If you don't get out of the boat and begin to exercise your ability to minister. I've got to tell this before I close this morning. We read a Facebook post of one of our friends, a leader of a ministry up in Litchfield, Illinois. She runs a house called Freedom House to drug bound uh, recovering, recovering addicts. And she said they were on their way back from one destination in Illinois and they pulled up on this scene that was the scene of a wreck. And she could tell it was a scene of a wreck, but nobody had arrived. There was one officer there. And she walked over and she seen this little girl laying in the, in the ground. And she looked and she was lifeless. And the officer said, she's gone. And it, it, and it was brought to her attention that the little girl was riding a bike and she was hit by a car. And the officer said, she's gone. And she said, I didn't know what to do. Just something inside of me led me over to her. And I I put her hand in my hand and I just began to say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. And she said the, the little girl's eyes rolled back from the back of her head and she began to breathe and she got up and she was she was brought back to life literally this past week. Amen. But what would have happened if she would have just let fear keep her from walking out onto the water and grabbing a hold of a dead, lifeless little girl and saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How many times have we not done what God needs us to do because we're afraid to get out of the boat? How many times have you done it? 
How many times have I done it? Try and fail. You're not going to disappoint God. If you try a million times and fail, was it Edison that said I tried to invent the light bulb thousands of times and I just all I did was figure out the ways not to invent the light bulb? Try and fail. You will not let God down. He's never going to be let down by you as a person who He created. He knows every hair on your head. He knows exactly what you're capable of. So your incapability is never going to surprise Him. But we've got to try. We've got to walk out on the water. Stand to your feet with me today. I don't know what time it is, and I know I start, I'm smelling food.